0: Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I am your host, Grayson Brulty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Frank Manchaka, Chief Growth Officer, SAE International. Transportation is changing in ways unseen since the invention of planes, trains, and automobiles. Now, let's not be confused with the Steve Martin and John Candy classic. Nope, this is SAE. SAE is driven by innovation, environmental concerns, and social trends. SAE is working to enable the new direction the market is taking through its unique position within an aerospace, passenger car, and commercial vehicle markets to enable safety while serving the needs of consumers and industry professionals and in ensuring the standards evolve into the 21st century. Today, we're bringing this episode in-house for the first in a special two-part series with Frank Menchaca. We're going to talk all about SAE's rich heritage, collaborative partnerships with today's innovators like Argos Brian Selesky and educators at Clemson University. Where they're creating the robotics boot camp. And we're going to dive into the SAE levels of automation and SAE's new Office of Sustainable Energy. Once again, SAE's ahead of the trends. Frank's going to pull back the curtain and share insights into how these programs become possible and ways SAE impacts safety and efficiencies in the public's everyday life. It's a wonderful journey. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Frank. Thank you, Grayson. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you here because you're doing incredible things with an incredible organization. And I can't wait to dive into those things. I like to start with SAE has this really rich heritage and history from early members such as Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Warville Wright, and Amelia Earhart to the individuals that are building the future today. The organization's always embracing the future. For our listeners who might be wondering, who is SAE and what role
1: does the organization play in society? Yeah, that's a great question. So I want to paint for people maybe a a handful of images. So image number one, a child safety seat. If you've ever put one of those in a vehicle, if you've ever strapped one of your children into one of those or put a niece or nephew into one of those, you've interacted with SAE. If you have stopped for gas in a rental car and wondered which side of the car is my gas tank on? and you look to the arrow on your dashboard, you've interacted with SAE. If you have plugged in an electric vehicle, you've interacted with SAE. If you have gotten into an airplane, how do you lay out the aisles so that people can pass freely and get out of the plane if they need to quickly? Those are all the subject of SAE technical committees that consist of engineers from around the world that are working together to figure out how to standardize those things that we should never compete on, that should be part of the global vernacular for safety and security. So go back to that little arrow in the dashboard of your rental car. Behind that arrow is an army of engineers who have come together to decide how that particular piece of information was going to be conveyed to you, the driver, in a way that was useful, in a way that was safe, and in a way that helped you to do what you needed to do better. That's what SA has been doing for 110 plus years. We are an organization that provides a platform by which engineers come together to solve what seem to be like relatively small problems, like which side of the car is my gas tank on, to really big problems like how do I keep a child safe in a car when that car gets into an accident, to really big mega problems like how do we move, how do we help the industry move from the internal combustion engine and CO2 emissions to a more sustainable organization. So even if you don't know SAE, you've interacted with us in maybe dozens of ways in in any one day so that's, when I think about the role that SA plays in society, that's one way I define it. It's in the everyday movement of people and things in a safe, sustainable way through really hundreds, thousands of standards and best practices.
0: SA makes the world
1: go round. Yeah, I think so. I think SA makes the world go around in a way that's safe and sustainable and here's something else, Grayson, I think, to think about in the 21st century. We're at a point where leave aside for a moment all of the potential gains that we can make in sustainable energy. We're at a point where we have the technology to move everyone, to move everyone who wants to go somewhere, to move everyone who wants to be within reach of education, healthcare, jobs so in the 21st century the way i think about transportation is that it is it's almost like a basic human right we have the ability to deliver it to everyone in a way that is safe and sustainable so i i think there is an enormous opportunity for sae there's an enormous opportunity for the transportation industry to deliver on this promise of equity of access to transportation to jobs education and healthcare the things that make human life demonstrably better for everybody.
0: SE has had a positive impact on society. You, you look at the child safety seat, I mean, and, and going up to the booster seat. If there weren't standards for that of how you lock it in, you think about how the technical committee step up, the individuals in the industry step up, and say, we're gonna make the world a better place. You mentioned the platform and software. So everybody wants to have the platform to connect this or connect that. SE has the knowledge platform that's allowing companies to scale, and that's special.
1: It is, and it it is an enabler. It's a great enabler that allows scale to occur for industry, it allows safety to be consistent for users of transportation and it allows i think for this this promise of equity of access in ways that just has never really never really happened before so i think about it really on multiple levels there's the advantage the concrete advantages that that it does for industry the concrete advantages it does for people and and the concrete advantages for society and it goes right back to our mission it is absolutely at the core of our mission, which is for the benefit of humanity. It is creating safe, sustainable transportation solutions for the benefit of humanity. And and that's what's written into our mission. It always has been, always will be.
0: As transportation changes, mobility changes, and we're getting ready to usher in the 21st century, how are you building upon the rich heritage of SAE, all the wonderful impact it's had on society to say, we're going to continue doing this into the 21st century, into the 22nd century, and into and the rest
1: of time. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to address the Pittsburgh Technology Council, which is an organization here in Pittsburgh that does a lot of outreach to the community to talk about the burgeoning transportation technology that's happening, the really exciting automation technology. And it was about two things, electrification and automation and as i think about the 21st century what's so interesting to me to be sort of alive and working and and in this this industry now are the twin technologies of automation that we can through machine learning and artificial intelligence begin to create vehicles that are not only assisting the driver but actually driving the vehicle that's giving the opportunity for transportation to people who can't drive, who don't want to drive. So there's that. And then there is the issue of electrification, which is, I think, a subset of a larger issue of sustainable energy. And so if we're in working in an industry that where the two sort of regnant technologies are sustainable energy, sustainable propulsion, and automation, you really have kind of a fascinating kind of revolution that's ready to happen. And so as we think about how SAE leans into the 21st century, it's really around those two areas of sustainability and automation where you see just how exciting the the, the opportunities are for to help us to to help industry further those technologies at scale so that they can be delivered to large portions of the population.
0: Electrification has a lot of really great benefits for the environment, but the special thing, these world's great designers can completely redesign the vehicle.
1: That's really, that's, uh, someone remarked that to me, you know, we were chatting about electrification. I was actually out visiting a customer in Silicon Valley and uh, he was really proud. He was showing us his lab. And we started talking about that. Once you remove the internal combustion engine from the equation, it becomes an open discussion about what you want those designs to look like. So that's where that's one of those beautiful moments where engineering and design touch art and and creativity. And so I'm such a big proponent of this this trend in scientific education that's referred to as STEAM, where the you know the A in STEM becomes art and design. And our foundation, for example, does wonderful work raising money to implement programs in STEM. And there is just a story about a young girl who won an award in STEM, and that sort of opened her eyes up to art and design because she actually absorbed this idea that you can actually think broadly now about redesigning the vehicle. You can re-engage that imagination. When we were all kids, we would sit there, I would at least, at the table with a a bunch of papers and and magic markers and design all sorts of crazy cars. Feels like the time is right for that again, right?
0: The time is right. And about three years ago, my daughter's in preschool and I went and was the, the dad that showed up that day to read the book. And so I read this book, If I Built a Car. And this really cute kid—he he wanted to put an ice cream parlor in there. He wanted to have a robot <laughs> that made hamburgers. He wanted to have a swimming pool. But it was this, and the children said, "Well, what, what can I do in my car? What can I build in mine?" And this one kid said, "I like to build a Lego car." I'm like, "Okay, you can go build a Lego car." It is fun to see the imagination that these children came together with. It all started with a
1: curiosity yeah and it's it's keeping that curiosity alive and nurturing it i'll tell you an interesting story we have a great partnership with the international center for automotive research icar at at clemson university in south carolina and we were visiting them and they actually had an electric vehicle that had a digital printer in the trunk. And so the use case was you can be driving and let's say you uh, are an entrepreneur and you're creating parts or you're creating something, you you can digitally print it in your car and, and drive it to your customer, right? That can happen now. And so it's almost as if the technological moment requires an equal imaginative moment. And I think SAE is in this in the center of this, the, these two moments in a very interesting way, because we support industry, we support engineers, we support design engineers to do their work. We're, we also help to train the next generation of students that are going to walk into those jobs in 15, 20 years. And, and so it is critical, I think, for United States, critical for the world to see this moment in transportation as a huge opportunity. There's a technological moment, there's an imaginative moment, and both of those things can really happen if there's the education and the educational support to, to allow those students to further that curiosity and that technical knowledge. That's exactly what SA is about in its foundation and in its pre-professional programs as well.
0: SAE has a partnership with Clemson and Argo AI for a robotics boot camp. And if you talk to Brian Slusky, the the CEO of Argo, he talks about, I'd rather hire a carpenter or a a gentleman that was a roadie for a band because they have this skill set that mine don't have. Could you talk about the, the the partnership between Argo and SAE and Clemson, please?
1: It's a great subject. I had the honor of spending some time with Brian and the Argo team, and it was a broad conversation. We were just getting to know each other. We were, were obviously neighbors here in Pittsburgh, and, and we started talking about automation, which is clearly Argo's business, and he made a very interesting remark to me. So... If we fail at this, we meaning the industry, if we fail at this, it won't be because of technology, it will be because of lack of people. And I thought, what an interesting comment. I would think that you have people lining up to, to work at Argo, and you do. The problem is the pool of people that can do that work. Then the second issue is that for companies like Argo, they're coming from largely from elite universities. And so this can't just automation can't just be a skill of students from elite universities. It can't just be a skill that only a few people have. And so the question we started to ask through the conversation with Argo is how do we make this pipeline bigger? How do we democratize access to this kind of exciting work? How do we make the pipeline bigger? And then how do we, once once you make the pipeline bigger, how do you enable the those people who are coming in to these roles? And I don't mean just people coming out of universities. I mean, people who may be 10, 20 years into their career who wanna reskill. How do you make it possible for them to come into these exciting, demanding roles? And that's really where the robotics for automated vehicle bootcamp came from. And SAE has a long tradition of being a hands-on organization. We, we do research, but it's interesting. We're typically not thought of in the same breath as research. What we are thought about is very much in this area of hands-on. And so we spent time with the Argo team. We spent time with the engineers who were super wonderful, super smart people, one of whom was a history teacher. Just back to your point. And, and we talked about this, and we came up with the robotics boot camp, which is in it's intense, right? It's a 12-week program that is split between um, a lecture. Uh, component, a classroom component, and then the other half is pure hands-on. To paraphrase the team, where you build, make, break, and rebuild robots. And that's exactly what the students get, get a robot kit. They have to put it together. They have to figure out how to make it move. When it breaks, they have to fix it. And it's those skills that i think are needed for these new positions we just did one of our first cohorts in the corporate world with navistar actually and we gave all of the students these are largely students that are coming in their new recruits we gave them a test at the beginning just to level set and it was about what we expected about they scored about 23 percent right, which is low. Now, that was to gauge how deep was knowledge, Where we, what are we starting with. After the 12-week boot camp, we doubled their, their knowledge. It went up to 53%. So, we had concrete proof that the students coming in through a, through a combination of hands-on experience and uh, classroom material were able to double their knowledge. Two of the students got a job before the, uh, the boot camp was over. With major OEMs in this area. So, we're really excited about scaling that because that is proof of efficacy is like the gold standard. If you can prove that you made people smarter, that you made them more successful, and that people actually got a job after they took the course, that's really what you want. And so, I feel like that was a step forward to back to Brian's comment. If this technological advancement fails, it's not because of the technology, it's because of the people, the lack of people. Okay. So we need to scale this program to create more opportunity for more people from wider varieties of schools and wider varieties of backgrounds to help to build and and deliver on this promise of automation. Back to that core mission thing of making transportation accessible and safe for everybody.
0: Would you say that this is the next evolution of of vocational schools or technical schools? And so instead of going to a normal high school, some children opt to to go to a vocational school was this the, the next evolution of that?
1: Yeah, I think it could be. I, I think there's really exciting opportunities for that technical school that that associate's degree to join into to this world of automation, and I think that, that is maybe one of the most exciting things that's on the horizon because you can have students that are coming from a wide variety of backgrounds going into those vocational schools or two-year programs, those associate degrees, if you can help them acquire the skills to be part of this growing industry, you can fundamentally change the course of that individual's life. Their salaries will go up. Along with increased salary come the benefits of better healthcare better education, greater commitment to the community, you know, sort of a radiating ripple of good comes out of that. And it's right with the, the the promise of these sort of twin technologies of sustainability or electrification and automation that are out there that we really want to help to foster.
0: It's a powerful thing. If the, you know, the individual goes through the course and they got a better job out of it or a new opportunity they go home and they tell their friends hey i went through this thing and and now look at me and then their friends want to go and then all suddenly now you've got this very positive
1: cycle and we don't have a lack of talent we have extraordinary um, amounts of talent yeah and and they're able to come into an organization and get started faster i mean one of the real challenges and, and Argo talked about this but, but we've heard this with everyone is really time on task you, you have to bring you can't just take people and put them into an automated vehicle development program and expect them to succeed they have to be mentored they have to be developed We are as much as eight months worth of of mentoring is required and that's eight months that a senior staff person senior engineer isn't doing something else So one of the things that for the robotics bootcamp that we really wanted to do was to prove that you could get started faster, that you could have more time on task, get started faster, and not have to necessarily take up as much time. If we can take that eight months of ramp up and make it five, wow, you've really saved a lot. So that's exactly what the robotics bootcamp is all about.
0: The mentorship is special because it opens up opportunities. to something that you might not have thought of or from a different perspective. Somebody might have a different life experience. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about energy. And I'm like, okay, here we are again. We're going through this massive change in society. We're going from the internal combustion engine to the electric vehicle. And I was speaking to this individual, said, oh, well, you know, SAE is creating the Office of Sustainable Energy. And he goes, aha, they're doing it again. They're not following, they're leading, and they're bringing the industry with them why did you create this office did you see everything coming together and said we're going to take that leadership mantle and and become and bring everybody together to help build the standards
1: yeah so i say it's a long history of enabling the development of electrification we have over 100 standards we've been at it for a long time j1772 which is the standard for the for for plug-in charging all of that has been happening. It's been largely focused on the vehicle, and that's been great, and it's allowed for the, for, for the development of vehicles. About a year and a half ago or two years ago, we really started to hear in conversations with our customers and conversations with our partners, we really need to think about the infrastructure. It's not enough to engineer the vehicle. And we really need to think about this relationship the vehicle is going to have with the infrastructure. Are we going to have the equivalent of gas stations? How is that going to work? Are people going to pull up to a gas station, what is now a gas station, and charge their car? Are they going to expect to go to the supermarket? Somebody said this to me. I expect to go to the supermarket and I expect to park my EV there and have it charged while I'm shopping. I want point-of-need charging. Okay, that's interesting. Let's dig a little bit deeper on that. There's this idea that the battery can, when it's not charging the car, can be part of a microgrid, can actually give back energy to the grid. How do we make that happen? So so it became clear there is the vehicle and the design of the vehicle and and protocols around charging and batteries and, and... But there is this much bigger world that then unfolds around this whole promise of electrification. It has to do with infrastructure, which is charging, but it's also battery recycling, battery to grid, battery second life, what happens to the battery after it goes out of commission. And then let's go even further back in in kind of the, the tunnel, go further back into the supply chain there's actually the sourcing of the battery material. So suddenly you go from plugging in your car to a sort of mega wide angle shot of the entire infrastructure. There's charging, there's battery sourcing, there's battery recycling. So it was pretty clear for us about two years ago that that we needed to be part of this. We needed to help create the solution. And that's really where the Office of Energy came from. It came out of that dialogue.
0: Well, standards eventually apply to the EV supply chain. And you're right about the different minerals and the way that they're mined. And let's not forget, minerals are refined. Well, you look at the going all the way down the supply chain and perhaps putting a sustainability rating on it or some sort of standard where an investor can look at this and say, "Okay, this is truly ESG. And then the individual inside the company that's buying the material can truly
1: say it. So so let me draw an analogy. Some people may be familiar with J3016, which is the levels of autonomy. That was a mental model that SA created to give the transportation industry a global vernacular for how we define automation. And if we can agree on how we define automation and, and the levels of automation, we can then begin to develop technologically for it. There's been all sorts of debates, and and this is the wonderful thing about that standard, is that we wanted those debates to happen. But it has held fast as a foundation for allowing a dialogue and allowing a way of working around automation to flourish. And so I think about sustainability and I think the same opportunity exists there, but maybe multifold. If we want to deliver on the promise of electrification, we need to understand how sustainable the entire supply chain is. So how do you reliably, sustainably extract the battery minerals, lithium, for example, demand for which is going to soar, is soaring? How do you extract that in a way that doesn't negate the what you get from putting zero emissions into the air. So you need to think about everything holistically. It's a very big picture approach that we're trying to take. In the research that we did for Office of Energy, we talked to, oh, I don't know, five or six dozen thought leaders. And someone said something t- to me that really stuck with me. He said, so The way this industry is right now, this industry being the electrification, the battery electric vehicle, is that everyone has a piece that they're working. And if you put all those pieces together, you have a patchwork quilt, nice, but it isn't the entire landscape. So I I tend to think in in visual metaphors. So you're going from a patchwork quilt, which in and of itself can be beautiful and, and interesting, but the real opportunity is in that broad 360 or 180 degree kind of widescreen view of the entire landscape. How do we make all of those things work together? We do that by enabling collaboration and that global vernacular to happen. And that's where I think the levels of sustainability maybe can be something that we can do for electrification because it starts to allow one way of kind of communicating around levels of sustainability understanding how all of these pieces work together and understanding where we are failing in sustainability and correcting it and making that promise of zero emissions come true down the line please do it the market needs it you know i've been around a while and every once in a while in in your experience you come on something you have the sense that there is this moment there is this point of inflection it's a gap it's an opportunity and i really sense that's what this is you can be early to something and you can find it frustrating to to not scale as one one old boss of mine said to be early is the same thing as to be wrong and so the interesting thing about all of what we're talking about so i really feel like it's the right moment the industry you have automakers like general motors or audi or toyota that have made really bold statements of moving their fleet to fully electric within the next 10 15 years we talked to the vp of zero emissions for a major airline manufacturer so you have a real commitment on the part of industry to make this change happen you're seeing on the on at least in the US government, on the federal side you know an interest in supporting this you have really exciting developments that are going on in places like China We were talking to a, to an electric vehicle manufacturer in China that's making vehicles without batteries because there is this thing in China called battery at your service that takes care of all of this recycling and minimum charge and removes range anxiety and I thought, that's a really interesting you know, model. So all of that kind of converges on the point that we are at a moment of inflection and it's ours to lose. And I think a lot about the whole discussion about 1.5 degree of warming versus two degrees of warming. And this isn't all that far away, that this is the world that, that your grandchildren, my grandchildren will, will be living in and so we have a the moment has arrived where where we have an opportunity to at least influence the quality of that life by by really helping our industries deliver on the promise of sustainability and automation and so that that's kind of what i mean when i feel like there's a moment there to be part of and that's really one of the the things about the office of sustainable energy we really want to be part of that
0: frank that's a wonderful way to wrap up episode one and i couldn't agree more with you the world is at a moment of inflection with the transition to sustainable renewable energy the worker shortage the need for high quality talent that can work in these new and emerging fields and the issues that we're facing around the supply chain there are issues that together the industry is going to have to come over and we will come over and we'll work together and the industry is committed to creating solutions as you share today which is extremely positive And SAE is creating new ways to help industry deliver on its promises and impact on the quality of life for humanity. So Frank, thanks again so much for joining us today and sharing these incredibly wonderful insights. Thank you, Grayson. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as Frank shares deeper insights into tasks the Office of Sustainable Energy will take on, the work SAE committees are leading around emerging technologies and his vision for the future, and it's one I hope you join us next
1: week to hear. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.